number 18. And uh, I've got, I've only have my phone tonight. I don't have my, my iPad, so I can't even tell for sure what I'm pointing at here. It's liable to show the uh, mon uh, Sunday night football game between the Seahawks, um, which some of you probably already have uh, updated feeds. So, but we'll be in First Samuel chapter 18. I'm going to read uh, verses, of, uh, let's see, starting in verse number 5 and read through verse 12. Do you have that up there on your screens, guys? If you can, help me with the scripture. Just go ahead and turn the scripture uh, with me, and we'll start here, First Samuel 18, verse number 5. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him, and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women came out of all cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day and forward. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. And he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand, as at other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And Saul was afraid of David, because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Where would you help? Would you bless and direct in our service tonight? Again, guide guide and direct our words and our thoughts and help us in these few moments we have together. And Lord, we pray you'd speak to us as only you can. We do ask for your help, we pray in Jesus. And I'm going to jump right in. And uh, my wife and I, we were out of town. I mentioned this once before, and we were at a church, and a gentleman stood up to preach, and in 17 minutes, he was done. And my wife said, see, it can be done. And uh, so we're going to do our best right here, right now, Psalm 5. Let's pray one more time. Lord, please help, guide, and direct, and, and uh, speak to our hearts, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, just real quick in background, David's journey through the Psalms. This is his flight from Saul. We've covered part of this. I'm going to try to finish it here in just a few moments. In this particular story, as you have it related from 1 Samuel, um, chapter number 18, verses 5 through 12, and we didn't read all of it. I encourage you to go back and read it. This is one of the Psalms that most people think was written right about the time that David is basically running for his life. If you went with us to Israel, you remember seeing some of the caves in that area where perhaps uh, David had been hit out on such an occasion as this. And so uh, David's killed Goliath. He comes back in, and everybody's boasting and bragging, and the ladies are singing a song, and uh, Saul has slain his thousands, which sounds pretty good to Saul, until he hears verse 2. Verse 2 is, David has slain his ten thousands. He didn't care for that one at all, you know? And so that was the second verse that got to Saul. And the Bible tells us further that Saul eyed David, and so you could tell there was a contempt that began to work up in his heart and soul, and he didn't, uh, he didn't care about David at all in any other capacity as he saw him as his competition. He saw him as his enemy, and he said, I got to take care of this guy. And, um, but David, the Bible says about him that he behaved himself wisely, and uh, he didn't let the situation, the circumstances get to him as he's running for his life. Now, think about that. You're sitting down to dinner with a guy, and he th tosses a spear at you. 
Um, not my idea of, uh, you know, entertainment with the evening meal, but that's what's happening here. And uh, not just once, but twice. And so David flees from Saul. So that's where we're at. And so if you have your Bibles open to the fifth Psalm, notice, and I'm not, I can't read this at all, so I'm going to try to pull the, the, the words up here, but the verses, you're going to have to help me if you can find them as I read them. I'm in Psalm 5 and verse number 1. The Bible reads, give ear to my words, O Lord, and consider my meditation. Let me say this. The first point is this. Very clearly, David knew who to ask for help. And we talk to a lot of people. We tell everybody our problems. But it's, uh, <coughs> as the songwriter said, where could I go but to the Lord? Needing a friend to help me in the end, where could I go but to the Lord? People oftentimes try to be polite and kind and, and will genuinely be interested in your dilemma, your problem, your difficulty that you're facing, but nobody, first of all, nobody cares like God cares, and secondly, nobody can like God can. There's a lot of things we can try to do as a, as a believer, and boy, you all have demonstrated that wrapping your arms around uh, the, the Bailey family during this time, but there's no greater comfort than the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that he, God said, I'll send you that comforter. See, because tonight, um, there'll be a time in the weeks to come and where nobody will be there. And Jennifer and those girls will need the help of the Holy Spirit. But, but you as God's people, you can offer that comfort and help. But the first thing we see about David is that he knew whom to ask for help. Psalm 121 says, my help comes from the Lord. Now, notice, if you would, the, uh, the second thought is David knew that God was worthy of praise. Pull up verses 2 and 3, if you would, there from Psalm 5. Fellas, Psalm 5, verse 2 and 3, hearken on the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shall thou hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. So the second thought is David knew that God was worthy of praise. It's very easy to praise God when everything's great. It's great character to praise Him when it's not. This kind of dovetails, and I, I Obviously, God is sovereign, and he knew that before these messages ever came together, and certainly the message of this morning. But, but God is worthy to be praised. The, the Bible says, great is the Lord and worthy to be praised. He, we don't just praise him because everything is great. We praise him because God is worthy. God's praiseworthiness is not dependent upon what's happening in your life and in your world. And if we, if we take our eyes and our focus off the Lord and only see ourselves in, in our little world, remember this, God's a big picture God. He, he looks at everything from start to finish, our start to finish. He's without beginning or end, uh, the Bible tells us, and separate from us in every capacity, the book of Hebrews tells us. But you and I, we, we have a start and a finish, uh, physically and humanly speaking. And God sees the totality of mankind, and He works at his pleasure and in his will. And so he's worthy to be praised regardless of what's happening in our life at any given moment. Always always remember that. Then notice in, in Psalm 5 and verse number 4, the next thought, David said, for thou art not a God that, can you help me there guys, Psalm 5, 4? Come on now, you can DVR the game, you don't have it? Come on, somewhere in there. Is it not there? Okay, maybe it's not there. I can't even read it anyway. So Psalm 5, 4, maybe it's not there. Forgive me if it's not. Go back to your game. 
But David knew not only that God was worthy of praise, but notice verse number four, if you have your Bibles open there, for thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. And so the, the uh, third thought is this, David purposed to do right. I'm just going to do right. Someone said to me, you know, through, through all of this, you know, uh, regarding our, the, the home going of Andy, they said, you know, I just don't even feel like coming to church. Someone called me and said, you know, pastor, I just don't know what to do. And I told him, I said, you know, I said, I get that way sometimes. When I don't know what to do, listen, this isn't real profound or deeply philosophical, but when I don't know what to do, I do those things that I know to do. Did you hear that? And it's, it's not deep. It's just as, you know, so, so, so what are you going to do now? I don't know, but I, I know what I need to do today. And I know what I need to do tomorrow. And I don't know what I need to do. There's so much that I already know that I need to do. I can't get myself bogged down with the unknowns and the uncertainties of life. I know that I need to read my Bible. Do you feel like it all the time? Nope. But I know I need to. So those things that I know I need to do, with God's help, I want to continue to do those things. I know that I need to be a good Christian. Do I feel like it? Don't always feel like it. But I, those are things that I know I need to do. So don't focus on the cloud and the fog that sometimes hides our judgment, our, our discernment. Because there's a lot of things where it comes, you think, what now? What's next? Well, I know what's next. God being willing, we're going to get up in the morning. And we're going to go to our places of work, our schools, and we're going to be good people. We're going to serve God. We're going to be good testimonies. We're going to read our Bible. We're going to continue to pray. We're going to look for opportunities to witness. And if God will allow it to be so, we're going to be back here Thursday night. If God will allow it to be so, we'll be back here on Sunday. You say, do you know what you're going to do? No. I don't even know what I'm preaching next week. But I know this. God willing... I'm going to keep doing those things that I know to do. Does that make sense? Because a lot of times we sit here and say, okay, what do I do about this? I know this. I'm going to keep doing right. Do I always do it? No. But I'm going to keep persevering. As I said this morning, I'm pressing on the upward way. With God's help and God's favor, new heights I'm gaining every day. Then let me say this fourthly, if I, if I could. The fourth thought is this. David trusted God's leading and direction. Psalm 5.8 is the verse. The Bible reads, Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. In other words, he said, God, I don't know what's going to happen, but point me in the right direction. You know how we are typically, especially as men, we don't ever ask for directions. You know, we just keep going and we're thankful for GPS that kind of points things out and will recalculate and put us back on the right track. But I can remember back in the day when you had these, uh, you remember MapQuest? How many of you remember MapQuest? And you, used to, you, you thought, man, you were ready to go. You, had, you went on summer vacation with 70 pages, <laughs> you know, and this was day, day one through three. And then you, you had them highlighted and all of that. You thought, man, I'm living large. I'm ready. I'm, I, Columbus has nothing on me. I'm going to find my way to where I'm going. 
And that's a distant memory. Some of you are looking at me like, what's MapQuest? Uh, it was back in the days of LP records. And you don't even know what LP means, do you? Um, liquid petroleum, right? That's what you're thinking. But, uh, but nonetheless, and so, but, but boy, there, there came that time when you got, a, you got a hand on a GPS. And there was a day when those first thing, things came out. And there were these big things you mounted up. You'd stick them either to the windshield or there on the dashboard. You were styling if you had one of those. Now, man, everybody's got them on their mobile devices. You know, you, you, I don't know how to get anywhere. I just ask. Sometimes, sometimes people say, do you know where I live? I say, no, but I'll put your address in. It'll tell me how to get there. You know what David is saying? He's saying, Lord, would you make my way straight? And I want to make sure that my way is straight, and I want to make sure it's before you. I, I want my path to be in the paths of righteousness and doing that which is pleasing and honoring to the Lord. Does it always make sense? No. Is it sometimes cloudy and confusing? Yes. Is there sometimes trouble along the way? Yes, there certainly is. But David said, I'm going to trust God's leading and direction. Why? Because I'm not going to trust me. I'm not going to just trust it. Hey, I got this. Man, I can figure this out. I realized that in David's flight to Saul, from Saul, God was prepping him and prepping all of us for the journey of life. And that is the forethought is trust God's leading and direction. Then, number five, the Bible tells us that David knew that God was trustworthy. Psalm 5, again, verse number nine. For there is no faithfulness, notice this, in their mouth, speaking of the wicked. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher, and they flatter with their tongue. David makes it very, very clear. Uh, Titus 1, 2, the Bible says, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie, promised before the world began. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. But David knew that not only would he count on God to direct his steps, he also trusted him. He said, God, God's going to take care of it. God's going to get me where I need to go. God's, and we fret and we worry and we stress and we get anxious about everything in life. Whatever you're facing, whatever you know somebody else is going through, and we take a step back, and here's David. He's, by the way, this is a guy that's hiding in a cave, all right? It's not like he's writing this from the Hampton Inn, you know, sitting back on that pillow waiting for a mint, you know, and tuck-down service. That's not what this is. This is David in a cave running for his life. The king has just sent out a, a death sentence on his life and tried to nail him to the wall with a spear. And he's saying, I know I can count on God. I don't know how it's all going to turn out. I don't know how it's all going to work out. But I know this. I know that God is trustworthy and God is faithful. Not the wicked, not the unregenerate, not the lost. I know that I can depend upon the Lord. Then uh, number six is David prayed for God's divine intervention. It's important for all of us. Sometimes uh, you've seen the sign that says, when all else fails, pray. That's really kind of a disservice to a holy God. It's like, um, you know, I use the analogy so many times. I, I have spare tire in each of our vehicles. I don't remember ever checking it. I know if you hang around Joe Dunlap, he checks everything. You know, he checks all that stuff before you go. And I like to have a guy like that. When I'm going on a road trip, Joe's your guy. All right? So I understand that. But me... I don't know. I don't know if it's got air. I don't know if it's there. I mean, I think it is. Is there a last time I checked, which I haven't checked? All right? You know, and so 
sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll be in a spot, you pull that thing out, and you'll see, wow, I didn't know that. Uh, man, the, the tire's no good, or it's flat, and you, you just kind of blew it. What happens sometimes in life is God becomes our spare tire for all the blowouts in life. But God doesn't want to be your, his, your last resort. He wants to be our first recourse. The moment anything happens in our lives, whatever it is, God says, call me. Let me know. Many times someone will say, if there's anything I can do, let me know. Do you really mean it? Has anybody ever, I remember an older gentleman in our church when I was assistant pastor in Kentucky, and I said that to him on a Sunday, hey, if you ever need anything, let me know. He calls me the next day and he said, I got, I got a bunch of wood to cut. And I said, sure. And he said, uh, I, I said, what time do you need me to be there? And he said, well, you said last night, if I need anything to let you know, I got a whole bunch of wood to cut. So I showed up at his house and uh, I, I got there, I was all ready to cut, man. I brought gloves, work clothes and all of that. And he told me, he said, it's all cut. He said, I just wanted to see if you meant what you said. <laughs> That's pretty good. Boy, he taught me a lesson, you know, and he, he said, I just wanted to see if you meant what, and I was thanking whoever had come and cut it before me, there, you know, because I was the one coming after you. But, but my, my point is this, many times people will say that, if there's ever anything I could do, let me know. Do you really mean it? Because here's the deal, God means it. And so when you go to God, whatever you're facing, Whenever you're facing, he does not want to be, well, if all else fails, pray. God says, no, no, no. The moment you need me, call my name. That's how God wants us to approach him. And then finally, the last thought is this, and uh, we see that David knew that God was in control. Notice verses 11 and 12. If you could pull those up, guys. Psalm 5, verses 11 and 12, if they're there, thank you. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee, for thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous. With favor will thou compass him as with a shield. And then the last thought is David knew that God was in control. You have to understand that for everything you're going to face in this life. You know, I think uh, not just for this season, for our church and for Jennifer and the girls, but every one of you have stuff. Every one of you have burdens and heartaches and problems. And some of you are going through challenges right now that nobody even knows about. Difficulties that are unaware of anyone but God. And you have to keep in mind, David, writing from a cave, running for his life, said, just as the great man Job that we talked about this morning God said, there never has been a guy like Job. He would later tell us about David, that he was a man after mine heart. And God makes this so clear in David's life. And David, as he's praying here in Psalm 5, while he's running for his life from Saul, he says, well, I know this, God is in control. Well, David, you might die. Yeah, I know. In fact, David believed he would die. He said, I shall now one day perish at the hand of Saul. But he said, doesn't matter. God's still in control. Job said, though he slay me. Yet will I trust him. Yet will I say, it doesn't matter. I know he's in control. So the final thought from this lesson tonight, David's flight from Saul, is really something that you need to keep in, near and dear to your heart every step of your life. And that is God is in control. Not just because things are great, but because that's who God is. He is always in control. He's never abandoned. 
He's never forsaken. He's always in control in your life, in your circumstances, in your difficulties, in your adversities. God, He's got this, and He's got you. He delivered Saul from the cave. Whatever you're facing, maybe in a different way than you think, but God has always been the deliverer. He always has been, and He always will. Shall we stand?